Ooh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta follow that. Thank you, <laughs> man. That's real talent. Um, real talent. Thank God I've got the word to lean on because I don't have that much talent. <laughs> it's perfect. I'm surely not, man. I'll tell you, I've told you stories about my singing ability before, but I'll tell you somebody would be happy seeing me over there. It would be my dad. I remember my dad, <clears throat> on Wednesday nights, we'd have choir practice, and he made me sing in the choir. And again, it's not my gift. I fish a little bit, and I sing, actually. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But I'll never forget, I, sometimes I don't sing real loud, and, and he would elbow me and say, sing, boy! <laughs> so I'd just smile and sing, and we would go on. But... Uh, this morning I want to tell you that uh, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about my singing ability, thank God. It's not about my talent, but I'm going to tell you who it is about. Uh, I want to start with a, a story, and I'm going to make it about my dad. I, I hadn't planned this, but sometimes we travel roads we don't really want to. Sometimes we go through things that really may not have been the route we planned on taking. Never forget my dad, uh, I was blessed with a wonderful dad. I think of things that he taught me every day. And he, he battled cancer, and, and then he survived for nine and a half years. And then when he got sick again, uh, we were working together. But he hadn't been working the last, he hadn't been able to work for the last several months because he was sick. And he had some great sayings like, if I get hurt or something like, man, that's going to feel real good when it quits hurting. I remember that a lot. Uh, but some of the things I remember were really good times, but just how he handled uh, other times as well. But the last uh, few weeks of his life, he, he didn't feel well. In the last day or two, he, he said very little. But I'll never forget... Uh, he was sitting on the couch just a day, probably a day before he died. This may be the last time I heard his voice. But I'll never forget, he's telling a story. He's talking about playing golf. And man, he, he's going in detail. He's talking about this round of golf like we are really playing this round of golf. And he hit in the bunker. And when he swung, he said, there's metal in the bottom of this sand bunker. He said, I, I don't understand it. And then he talks about some other struggles he was having on the golf course. And again, we're just sitting there, and it sounds real to me. I mean, it sounds real. And then one of his best friends walked in, one of his golf buddies. And uh, he looked at me, and Johnny says, what are you doing? He said, what's your dad talking about? And I said, well, he's... He's playing golf right now. Johnny said, how's he playing? I said, I wish he was playing better. I said, this is probably his last round. I sure wish he was hitting it better. But in his last round of golf, in my last round of golf, I would, man, I would be making birdies. And <laughs> but no, he was still struggling. Again, I think it, for me it represents the road that he didn't really want to go down at that time. The road I didn't really want to go down at that time, but it was, it was inevitable that, you know, it was, it, it, the time was near. But I'll never forget that 
conversation. I'll never forget that last round of golf that, that I heard him play. We played several rounds of golf, but I remember it as vividly as any. But again, it's not about me. It's not about always taking the easy road. Sometimes we're called to take the tougher road. Sometimes we go through things we don't want to. Have you ever been through things that you didn't want to get, go through? There's been other times as well. This morning, I'm going to read a bunch of Scripture. matter of fact, I did not even put it on the board because it's a bunch. I'm going to read 42 verses out of John 4. I'm going to read the first 42 verses. If you want to follow along. Um, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, Although it was not Jesus himself, but the disciples who baptized, he left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he, he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by the journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone on to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked me, or asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well, and with his sons and his flock drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say the place where people must worship is Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Well, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Your worship, you Worship what you do, or you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that 
Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then, just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said what or why jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've done. Be the Messiah, can, can he? They left the city and were on the way to him. The disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, Food is to do the will of him complete his work. Do you not say four months more than the harvest? But you look around you and see the field ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true one sows and another reaps. That for which you did not. Others have labored, and you have entered. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I'd ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they said to him, Stay with us, and he stayed two days. And many more believed because of his work. They said to the woman, It's no longer because of you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. And this is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for that scripture. Lord, just thank you for, uh, for offering, offering that water where we'll never thirst again. Lord, thank you for, um, for speaking to the woman at the well. Lord, I just pray that as we go through this lesson that your words flow through me. In Jesus' name, amen. We don't always get what we want. Things don't always go as planned. Often, we have to adjust our plans. Sometimes we don't like it. And often the Lord's plans for us, we don't understand. You see, the selfish thing for us to do is to do it our own way or to give up. But when we do that, quitting becomes a habit. It becomes a selfish cycle where we take the easy way in everything we do. You see, many... of us may be going through things right now that we don't want to travel. We may be traveling roads right now that we don't want to travel. But when our faith is in Christ, when we're looking for Him for our answers, and we're putting our trust in Him, then we can do what we're called to do. And you may ask, hey, what has all this got to do with John 4 in the Scripture? But I'm telling you, I am going to get there. These stories are going to tie in. I've got plenty of time. Spring don't start till 1133. But when you look 
closely at the fourth verse of the text. It says he had to go through Samaria. The little word had is very powerful. He had to go through Samaria. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus made the choice to go through Samaria. But for a Jew, this wasn't a pleasant trip. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. After Jesus got to Samaria, he did something else that was surprising. He actually had a conversation with a Samaritan woman. Both of these things are shocking. First, she was a Samaritan. And then he had a conversation with a woman in the middle of the day. You see, women of this day had no place in society. They were treated more like possessions than human beings. And then the third strike was she was not married. But Jesus had this conversation with her anyway. You see, she had been married a few times, but the one that she's lived with now was not her husband. You see, the woman asked Jesus why he would talk to her. And Jesus told her that he was there for a purpose. You see, he used spiritual things instead of physical things that made them different. He used spiritual things that connect them instead of those physical things that separated them. Jesus looked beyond all her temporary faults and offered her an eternal solution. Again, he looked beyond her temporary faults and offered her an eternal solution. You see, praise the Lord, he does the same thing for us now. You see, we're just like the Samaritan woman. We're not good enough on our own to talk to Jesus. But by his grace, we're able to have a relationship with him. Not based on anything that we have done or can do, but because of what Jesus has done for us. That's how we're offered to be in this relationship and have conversations with Jesus. You see, the story goes on to say that the woman went back in town, into town to share her testimony. The woman went back in town to, to share her testimony. See, the most important thing in the story tells us that many Samaritans believed because of the woman's testimony. What I really want you to pay really close attention to now is that woman was in sin, was she not? He didn't say, go clean your life up and then go tell people about me. No, once she had that encounter with Jesus, she had no choice except to go tell other people about him. If you're looking for somebody to stand behind this pulpit who's wolf-worthy, you're going to have to wait a while because it's not me. But through the grace of Jesus Christ, I can stand here and tell people about His saving grace, not about me. Again, it's not about me. If it ever becomes about me, if my stories ever become about me and they don't relate to the Word of God, I'm not doing it right. Because if it comes about me, I have fault. If you don't believe me, ask Rhonda. If <laughs> that wasn't a joke. But... <laughs> But I'm telling you, if you wait to get your life cleaned up to go tell people about Jesus, you're going to be waiting a while. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. Again, he used a sinful woman to go spread his message. 
I want to ask you, how is he using you? How is he using you? See, the first thing she did after meeting Jesus was to go evangelize. She had to go tell the story. She had to go tell the good news. She forgot about her shortcomings and went to get others in relationship with Jesus. It wasn't about her anymore. She left her selfish things behind and went and told men that she actually went and talked to a man at the well, which he wasn't supposed to do, and he happened to be a Jew. Could you imagine how this was received? But she did it. It's probably not what she wanted to do just after lunch on that day. She probably had other things to do. But she followed what Jesus told her to do. Again, she was no longer selfish, thinking of her own desires. But now, but now, she's met Jesus. And has already forgotten her selfish ways. And she goes straight to help others. The biggest thing about this scripture this morning, this long piece of scripture in its entirety, because I wanted you to hear the words. I didn't want you to hear my words being, I didn't want you to hear me paraphrase those words. I wanted you to hear every word of it. Because now it's my job to relate it to how this affects you, to how it affects me. It's a great story, but until we apply it to our lives and we follow those instructions, it does not have a whole lot of power. But once we put those words into action and we start telling and showing people the love and grace of Jesus Christ, then it's more powerful than we can imagine. When we start doing that, it can't be about us anymore because we're not that powerful. It can only be through the power of Jesus Christ. And you might be sitting there thinking, hey, Jesus hadn't called me to preach. He hadn't called me to preach. He has called me. It's not, honestly, being, I love being here. Don't get me wrong. I love being here. I love being the pastor of this church, but it was not my plan. It really wasn't. It was his plan. And I'm thankful that I submitted to, to his calling. And I'm thankful that I was at this beautiful place. But I was doing ministry. I was having fun doing a few camps. and te- You know, I, this wasn't my plan. And I'm so glad I followed his plan. Because again, it's not about me. It's not about me. But again, if you're thinking, hey, you're not called to preach. You see, in Matthew 28, Jesus gives us the Great Commission. Jesus says this. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28 gives us instructions. We're supposed to go tell people about Jesus and what he's done in our life. That even though we're not good enough to be in this relationship on our own power, that Jesus accepts us anyway. And he uses us. 
He uses us to carry out His mission. You see, we're all supposed to go make, make disciples. You see, we can't always do that from the comfort of our couches or our pews or wherever we may be comfortable. Sometimes we've got to get up and get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes we've got to go to places. We've got to do things that we never thought we could do. And we can't on our own, but through a relationship with Jesus and following His will, He will give us everything that we need. You see, we're called to go through Samaria and other places that are not comfortable. And you know what we'll find there? You know who we'll find there? When we get out of our comfort zone and we go see people where we really don't want to go, you know who we'll find? We're going to find people that Jesus died for. We're going to find people that Jesus sacrificed and suffered for. In other words, they're just like us. They're in need of a relationship with Jesus. They may be physically different than us. They may not look like us. They may not sin like us. The same need. And that's a relationship with Jesus. You see, it could be somebody under a viaduct begging. It could be somebody at Food City you don't really want to make eye contact with. It could be somebody at Wall. It could be anywhere. It could be Samaria. It could be somewhere that we may or may not even want to be, and we definitely don't want to talk to anybody. But I'm telling you, you can't look, and I've told you this the last few weeks, you can't look into anybody's eyes and see somebody that Jesus didn't die for. You don't have that ability. If you look somebody in the eye, Jesus died for their sins. Again, there may be all kinds of physical differences, but the spiritual need is the same. We need to be looking for the spiritual similarities, not the physical differences. You see, in this world, we're called to be missionaries, all of us, not managers. Today's world, today's world of Christianity, we've got a whole lot of managers. A whole lot of people want to be managers, but we're called to be missionaries. We're called to be taking the gospel to places that we may or may not want to be, to people we may or may not get along with. That's what we're called to do. We're missionaries, not managers. Again, we need to be finding that common ground. We need to stop looking for differences and start looking for similarities. And again, those similarities that we'll find is spiritual similarities. Again, the physical differences may never change, but the spiritual uh, or what we need to be looking for. And we need to be showing them the grace of Jesus Christ because none of us, none of us are good enough to earn Jesus' grace. Again, we live in a world where we look at other people differently. It may, again, they may look different than us. They may sound different than us. They may sin different than us. They may act different than us. But we're still called to show them God's grace. We're called to tell them about a loving relationship with Jesus. Again, as I close, I want to remind you just to stop looking for differences and start looking for those things that connect us. Again, none of us are good enough. But through the grace of Jesus Christ, He's good enough. And when we stop being selfish and following Him, 
and looking for Him to solve our spiritual problems, then we can do some amazing things. You see, the only place we can find this common ground is through a relationship with Jesus. If we look for it any other way, we'll never find it. You see, to be able to realize this, we've got to stop being selfish. Nowhere in the Bible, and I've got a couple people that, that probably are more educated in the Bible than I am, so if I'm wrong, please somebody correct me, but I have not found anywhere in the Bible that calls us to be right on every subject. But it's filled with places that tells us to love each other and to show each other God's grace. You see, we remember that the only thing we need to do is offer Christ to each other. Sometimes things don't go our way. But we have to remember that we are missionaries, not managers. We need to be like the woman at the well and go to the folks in our community and everybody we see and tell them about how Jesus has changed our lives. We need to be like Jesus and go to places that we may not be welcomed and spread the good news to people who may not be like us. You see, remember, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, uh, for your amazing grace, Lord. Thank you for... Uh, for getting us out of our comfort zones, Lord, that we can uh, that we can grow in Your grace, Lord. I just pray that uh, each of us start looking how we can love each other and tell each other about Your saving grace, Lord. And we forget and we stop looking for our differences. Lord, I thank you. I love you. And Lord, if there's anybody here or anybody listening online that hasn't entered in that relationship, Lord, they have not met you at the well or at their bedside or at an altar, Lord. They have not entered that relationship. Lord, I pray that they reach out to you today, Lord. And when they do, Lord, they go and tell others. Lord, if it's Somebody here or somebody listening, Lord, that uh, has a relationship with you, but, Lord, we've gotten bogged down with, our, with the world and things around us, and we've, we've, we've lost sight of, of you and your grace, and we've made things about us. Lord, I just pray that you redirect us or redirect us in, in your ways, Lord, that, uh, again, we be can become more like you every day. In Jesus' name, amen.